0: No, no, it's Ritalin, baby, because they have ADD, ADHD. They're wild and crazy, and so what it does is it literally slows them down, gets them to focus, and makes them better. So it truly—I jokingly always say that it's Ritalin for visionaries, but it's a system for managing human energy.
1: Welcome to Elevate, a podcast about achievement, personal growth, and pushing limits in leadership and life. I'm Robert Glazer and I chat with world-class performers who have committed to elevating their own life, pushing the limits of their capacity and helping others to do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Peter Drucker. The entrepreneur always searches for change, responds to it, and exploits it as an opportunity. Our guest today, Gino Wickman, is one of the world's most influential thinkers in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. He's the founder of EOS Worldwide and the creator of the Entrepreneurial Operating System, known as EOS, a practical method for helping companies achieve greatness. He's delivered over 1,900 trainings to help companies implement EOS into their organizations and has transformed thousands of businesses with his work. He's also the author of multiple best-selling books, although I learned over the long run, which we'll talk about, including Traction, Rocket Fuel, and his latest Entrepreneurial Leap. Gino, welcome. It's great to have you on the Elevate podcast.
0: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's taken us a while to to do this, but actually, it's probably a better time than than if it was in March or April.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> so, you know, in full disclosure, I should say, you know, we have been users of EOS and fans of EOS for a while uh, at Acceleration Partners, and uh, I feel like I'm in a community of all companies who who use it. So, interested to to dig in more about where it came from and learn more about you and your background. Sounds great. So. You made the leap into entrepreneurship, I think, early in your career, uh, and taking over—I think—the family business. I read. What was that like, and what did you learn from it? And was there something from that experience that that led you <laughs> to to what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, and I'll back up just a little bit, but give you the lightning fast version. You know, it's—I uh, moved nine times by the time I was ten with an entrepreneurial father. So I grew up with entrepreneurship all around me. You know, I sold stuff from age six to to now. And uh, barely graduated high school as an entrepreneur, (laughs) solid 2.3 grade point average, did not go to college. College is not for me. Academics are not for me. So I learned my own way. But that's when I just kind of realized I just want to go to work. I want to make money. And so through a bunch of endeavors, found myself in the family business and uh, worked my way up in a year and a half to literally take over the family business. It was in need of a turnaround. I felt like I could save it. And uh, armed with two amazing mentors, my dad, Floyd Wickman, and a business mentor, my business mentor by the name of Sam Cup, uh, I was able to turn that business around in three years, uh, run it, and sell it over, uh, over seven years.
1: And, and what were some of your challenges as you were scaling that? I mean, what were, did, were there some things that really you struggled with?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, what's interesting is, you know, that experience with the family business was kind of the inception of EOS and traction. And so there's so many learnings from that because I also, during that experience, got involved in young entrepreneurs, now known as Entrepreneurs Organization. and I found myself helping my EO brethren. And so as I was helping them, I was just kind of learning real time, all of this interesting stuff. So, you know, the, one of the big things that I think helped me turn that company around is they had this incredible growth run through the 80s into the early 90s. I took it over in the early 90s when the Gulf War happened and the economy took a hit. Mm-hmm. So with that, they were so successful that they did the classic entrepreneurial mistake, which they found themselves in about four other businesses. You know, so the classic entrepreneur thinks that since they're successful in one business that they can be successful in all businesses. And so the first thing I was able to do in the first year was really spin off a lot of the business units and get the business back to its focus i.e. core focus. And so that's kind of where that comes from. Uh, The other thing was about two years in, roughly about that time, probably a year and a half in, that's when I invented the visionary integrator concept because I realized the challenges I was having with my visionary entrepreneur father, who's just an absolute red line entrepreneurial visionary, and so, you know, once I really understood the concept and created the accountability chart and got him very focused in the visionary seat and me very focused in the integrator seat, he and I were like a dynamic duo at that point, where up until then, you know, he was kind of involved in everything and came and went. And, and so, anyway, so that's another big aha is is really crystallizing those roles and responsibilities. But the point is, in a business where you have two partners, or a visionary that's got their hands in everything to the degree you can divide and conquer and really crystallize the visionary role, help counterbalance them with the integrator role. It's truly like grease lightning, i.e. rocket fuel, hence the book I wrote with my co-author, Mark Winters, Rocket Fuel, which is all about that visionary integrator concept. Other than that, I could literally go into a hundred other Uh, I don't want to call them granular, but a hundred other disciplines that were then just all about execution. So that's those are the two biggies that come to mind as you ask that question
1: there's a lot to unpack there. One thing that I will say that that you said, it's interesting talking about entrepreneur focus, right? It seems like oxymorons. Yeah. I've seen the same thing as you. I, I can tell you every time I talk to someone like Jay, Hey, Gino, how's it going? And you know, you've got your website business and now you're, Oh, well it's cool. We spun off this logo thing and we're doing that and there are four different businesses. And I, if I check back 12 to 18 months later all those other new things are all in trouble, and the core business is in trouble. And I, I just I've seen that movie over and over again.
0: Oh, uh, so and as have I, literally ten thousand times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or or probably a hundred. So you and I were talking about this before the the show, and and what I what I said, and I, it's smart answer. You said I'll, I'll let's wait and I'll answer it for you. Um, in espousing the virtues of, of EOS, and and look, there's all kinds of different. Systems out there, and I think they all provide same sort of basic structure that is needed. But in trying to describe it to people, I often fail. Like, you need to do this. It, it's a collection of systems, best practices. Here, read traction. Like, and I sent him traction. So, like, how would you actually describe all of these pieces, which I think represent hundreds of years of best practices? I, I, I'm always trying to make it clear to people, like, this is not a gimmick or a new thing or a new strategy. This is a an integration of hundreds of years of toolkit of best practices, but that's the best definition I'm able to do. I'm sure you're able to do better.
0: Yeah. And so now it prompts a few thoughts to help clarify that. And I'm going to try and keep it high level and then you determine how deep you want to go. But, you know, the first thing, so what is EOS? EOS is an operating system for an entrepreneurial company. Okay. And so literally, what was it? 16 years ago, I coined that phrase operating system for a business. So, you know, it's typically used from a standpoint of technology and software back then. And so the point in that is that's what it is. What it does is it manages human energy, okay? And so what it does is it orchestrates all the human energy in an organization and gets it all focused in one direction. And so that's kind of the next piece. And then a little bit deeper in a few more words, is it's basically a system where we're working with the leadership team of the organization and we're doing three things for them. We call it vision, traction, and healthy. Vision from a standpoint of getting that leadership team 100% on the same page, rowing in the same direction, total agreement on what the vision and plan is for the organization. Traction from a standpoint of getting them to become very disciplined, accountable, execute better, make that vision a reality. And then healthy from a standpoint of helping them become a more healthy, functional, cohesive leadership team, because most of the time with all due love and respect, they're dysfunctional. And then from there, as goes that leadership team, so goes the rest of the company. And they ultimately get to a point where every single person in the organization, whether they have 10 people or 250 people, they're all crystal clear on the vision, gaining much better traction and a much more healthy, functional, cohesive organization.
1: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Elevate listeners, whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash elevate. Yeah, and one thing I wanna point out there is that it's usually the entrepreneur who's driving everyone crazy. They're changing the goalposts, having these ideas, something every day, and everyone on the team is just trying to keep up. And so when I've talked to companies who, who are implementing or starting with it, like usually they're thrilled because If it may not be the entrepreneur who brings it, but someone else brings it, but they're like, "This is great. We got he or she to like, (laughs) you know, lock in on this stuff, not change it, commit for ninety days, do this stuff." So, but what's interesting is some people will be like, "Oh, my ex just hates it," and it's usually a financial person. And I've thought about why that is. I think sometimes people in finance or early company finance leaders they they don't want to be a company leader. They just want to do their job well, and everything else is kind of a distraction. And in almost every case I have said to people cuz now this is we're going on lots of years of seeing this and and I've said that person that's really pushing back against this I'm, I'm going to put a little note in my calendar I'm going to call you in 12 months I'm pretty sure they're not going to be within your <laughs> be in your organization and I think the hit rate's 100%. Oh yeah,
0: for sure and it's just like with every client you know after the first <laughs> session I can see who won't be there you know in the next 6 months but you said something that's really interesting and and here's what I would suggest on the point you made uh, you talked about the wild and crazy visionaries. You know, and in, in the, the whole thread of this conversation you and I are going to have is about entrepreneurs because, you know, a very important disclaimer, that's all I know. All I know is how to give an entrepreneur an amazing life. That's why I'm on this planet. And so the other little secret, what is EOS? EOS is Ritalin for vision. <laughs> I was going to say guardrail. So close. And I don't yeah. know if it's Ritalin, baby, because they have ADD, ADHD. They're wild and crazy. And so what it does is it literally slows them down, gets them to focus, and makes them better. So it truly, I jokingly always say that it's Ritalin for visionaries, but it's a system for managing human energy.
1: Right. It is almost, I struggle. It is almost impossible for the entrepreneur not to believe that more is more. And to focus. In fact, I mean, one of the advice I've given to a lot of businesses is, I, I think, and this is this is my own number. I have no scientific thing. I I'd be curious your thing. I I think if you're trying to get to a ten million in revenue business, you should do one thing really well and really one thing. If there's not a niche that ha- can make a ten million dollar business out of that, then it, you know you're probably not in a big enough market. That's when I think you then buy, acquire, think about, I just, I see people really start that bridge out at two to three million. And it seems to just get them going in a bunch of directions. And I I know in our business, when we actually made the decision four or five years ago to cut these ancillary businesses and focus on our core, our growth rate doubled within six months. I, I, I didn't realize all the extra costs of sales and marketing and hiring and energy. And I, I just, I think there's a, there's a natural point where you can do that branch out, but before then you should just put your head down.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you've said it all. So I'll just put an exclamation point on it. You know, first of all, to your earlier point, there's one of my favorite comic strips is this one that reads, so there's an entrepreneur and somebody's talking to the entrepreneur. And you know, the person obviously says less is more. And then the entrepreneur says, yes, but if less is more, imagine what more is. So so you're exactly right. The typical entrepreneur thinks more is more and they, and they want more. So it is all about focus. And that's what we're doing for our clients and that visionary is getting them to laser focus. And we call it core focus. Like I already mentioned, it's what I learned when I turned around that family business is you've got to focus. And so with core focus, we always say, once the leadership team crystallizes what it is, their job is to stay in that core focus and exhaust every opportunity. And to your point about revenue, let's pretend they want to be a $50 million company. Their job is to exhaust every opportunity within that core focus and get to the $50 million. And I always ask, is there $50 million in business out there in the world in this core focus? And 100% of the time they say yes, then why on earth would you look anywhere else? And then you're right. If they go outside of that, It's a distraction, it's zapping resources, it's stressing people out. And so it's kind of a no brainer. And then the last little point would be Al Reese's book Focus. It's one of the greatest books on this topic. You don't have to run out and read it, but his point is countless examples of the companies that focus how they're worth incredibly more. They're so much more successful than the ones that are diversified in multiple different businesses. And so, you couldn't beat this belief out of me with a stick. Uh, You've got to focus. And that's what I'm pushing the world to do. The signature line on my email, 20 years running, is stay focused. So, you're speaking my language. I also saw that you had McCowan on, the author of Essentialism, he is a rock star, And That book, reading that book, was a religious experience because that's exactly how I live my life.
1: So you mentioned the visionary integrator concept before. I think we'll talk about that in IDS. I think the the two principles that I've gotten the most value out of. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit of how that scales. I think. So the visionary, for better or worse, your model really calls for putting them in a penalty box, um, having them take their swings, not have a lot of reports, not disrupt the organization, and you know strike lightning once a year for something that that moves it forward. While the integrator, whether that's a COO, a president, or a CEO, is is kind of running trains on a day-to-day basis. I, I know how it looks sort of a under 10 million dollar company. What does that look like or how, if you founder stays in the business and a business starts to do 20 30 40 50 million in revenue you know what does that look like is, can someone really be a, a CEO at that point and and play that role because it would seem like most of the job of a CEO of a as you get to 50 million is just not any of the stuff that they would actually like to do.
0: Yeah, it's a great question you're asking. So here's what I would suggest. I'm going to absolutely answer it right now. But my co-author, Mark Winters, who co-wrote Rocket Fuel with me, if you want to do a deep dive interview, (laughs) please do one with Mark. He's amazing. He does them all the time. The only reason I'm doing podcasts right now is for Entrepreneurial Leap. But I'm going to absolutely answer these questions you're asking because it's a great question. I'm very passionate (laughs) about it. And I'm the damn creator of the content, so I had better answer it. So but here's the point. So vital that your audience hears this loud and clear. I created EOS and wrote Traction for a privately held entrepreneurial company with 10 to 250 employees. That's it. If I had my way, we'd fire everyone with 251 employees and we wouldn't talk to anyone until (laughs) they reach their 10th employee. With that said, now I'll back off on that because the truth is 80% of our clients are in that sweet spot. 10% are smaller because they're sophisticated enough to start putting the EOS tools in place at startup. And 10% are larger. Our largest EOS client does like 3 billion and has something like uh, 5,000 employees. So the point is what I'm about to say can work, but I'm not even going to talk about what you do at 251 employees. And and revenue size, you know, you're saying it perfectly because that's about 2 to 50 million on average is what that is. And so you're asking a great, great question. If the company is able to remain entrepreneurial, it can continue. So now I'm going to answer that question within that context, because it's really funny how you describe, you know, putting the visionary in the penalty box. And quite frankly, you have a bias that the way you just described it, it comes up as pretty negative. So let me give you my two cents. It's a happy penalty. Bo- I've been very happy in that penalty box. Oh, oh good, to hear, good to hear. Because the reality is a true entrepreneur. Uh, and we're going to talk about this, but a person that possesses the six essential traits that are vital for a true entrepreneur. If you don't have them, you cannot become a true entrepreneur. So that true entrepreneur is a visionary. And so what happens is the idea is to help that visionary get 100% in there. Core focus, personal core focus, God-given ability, whatever you want to call it. Dan Sullivan would call it unique ability. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're elevating these visionaries to spend all of their time in their personal sweet spot. They should only have one direct report. When you know when you say few direct reports, it should only be one, and that one direct report is the integrator. And then the rest of the leadership team reports them. And maybe may their assistant. And maybe their assistant, <laughs> but what I always urge is their assistant should report to someone else and they're lending that assistant to them. But it's well, a, if
1: they want a performance review, then they probably yeah, should. But I,
0: exactly. Yeah. Right, well said. So anyway, so for what that's worth, it, so it's freeing. And what it ultimately does then is it puts that entrepreneur, that visionary, like I said, in their sweet spot, but gets them back to their passion, back to why they started this business and back to idea and growth mode. And they're in heaven. Everyone else is rowing in the same direction and uh, life is good.
1: When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, you know, I, I'm critical of some of the titles that are out there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of ego in it for people. I love when I see a three-person company and they're the founder, president, and CEO. Um, <laughs> that t- tells you a lot about what you need to know. Yeah. But, but look, CEO means chief executive officer. It means you are the manager of the executive officers. And if you are the head of each functional role, then you're you're really not a a CEO. I, I think a lot of people maybe in the program as their business is scaling would would do well to read Patrick Lencioni's new book, The Motive, because I, I I don't know if you've read, but he just really hits it home. Like, what is the job of the CEO? And is it is that actually what you want to do? And for most people, it's probably not.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm so fanatical about talking about the target market, 10 to 250 privately held, because I want to obliterate the title CEO from that target market and call it visionary, because yeah. that visionary job description is really what it needs to be. Because you're right. When you're doing 100 million, a billion, 10 billion, you're publicly held, and you're a true CEO of those companies, it is a whole different ballgame. And it is not fun for a true entrepreneur, which is why they typically step down, sell, whatever, and get the hell out of that CEO seat if they really know themselves well. And to put Talenzioni's book, Motive, sets their ego aside and does what they should do for the greater good of themselves and the business.
1: All right. So your latest book is called Entrepreneurial Leap. It's focused on helping people actually jump into entrepreneurship and and help them succeed. What made you decide to focus on the start of the entrepreneurial journey after focusing so much on making that journey successful?
0: Yeah, because I actually did it in reverse. You know, so I spent <laughs> the last twenty five years of my life honing and refining and helping you know successful entrepreneurs become even more successful. Now, all of a sudden, what I'm doing is going back to the beginning of that entrepreneurial journey and helping them there. So Obviously, you would think I would have done it the other way around, but the reality of it is I couldn't have done it the other way around because what I've learned in the last 25 years has positioned me to teach what I'm now teaching with Entrepreneurial Leap and so what this is about is this is about the old saying from Daniel Kennedy, we teach what we needed the most. And so okay. this is me teaching my 18-year-old self what I needed when I was a mislabeled, derelict entrepreneur in the making, lost, confused, insecure. And if I had this knowledge then, I would have been a, it would have been a huge jumpstart on where I am today. I didn't really discover it until about age 29. So it literally took me 11, 12 years so um, the inspiration is that, and and the mission is to help 1 million entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jumpstart on taking their entrepreneurial leap.
1: Uh, that resonates. You know, you have not seen my Elevate speech on capacity building, but I almost have an identical end to that where, where I actually show all these report cards I had that probably sounded a lot similar to yours in school where, you know, I'm getting told that all the things that I'm good at, I should not be doing. And it's very... It's disheartening. And the stuff you're good at, I would say the kid who's probably getting thrown out of eighth grade for running a homework selling ring, no one says to that, Oh, let's let's teach you business skills. Like you've got business acumen, right? And that's it's like, no, 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 go color in the line. So that's interesting. I know you you mentioned this before, but what are the six traits that every entrepreneur needs?
0: Yeah, you bet. So as we go there, I just want to give a little context to your listener, two pieces of context for what this is worth, because I'm always so obsessed about thinking about your listener and your audience and their experience. And so whoever they are, wherever they are in life, um, there's kind of one of three people listening to this content we're about to talk about. And one is certainly someone who is thinking they're an entrepreneur and is thinking about taking the leap. And so certainly that's the end user of this book and this content we're about to talk about. Number two is an existing entrepreneur. And so if you're anywhere from you just started up, you generated your first dollar all the way to having your business for 20 years, this book is going to be a religious experience for you because it relights up all entrepreneurs. Experienced ones, and then the newer ones, you do a checkup on if you're doing everything right right now. But there's a third audience that I wanna make sure is clear so that you're listening in. And that is anyone that has an entrepreneur in the making in their life, or they desire or are currently helping entrepreneurs in the making. And so these are people that are mentoring, teaching, coaching organizations, colleges, high schools, universities. Um, And so if you have someone like this in your life, this is truly life-changing. It's going to help you understand them better, and it's going to help you teach them better. And I call those people collaborators and give them all the content for free, which we'll talk about later. So in that, the book, that's context one, the audience listening. Context two is the way I wrote this book. There's three parts to the book, confirm, glimpse, and path. And right now you're asking a confirm question. And I just want your listener to contextually know where they are, because those three parts are in a very particular linear order, because I'm taking this person through a psychological, emotional journey of self-discovery to help them decide is taking the entrepreneurial leap right for them. And so in this confirmed step you're asking about, this is about first and foremost confirming that they possess the six essential traits. And so what are they? They are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And you are born with these traits. They cannot be taught. You've been exhibiting them your whole life. Um, And that's my strong belief. It is very much nature over nurture. And that's a fun, debatable topic for half the world. Half the world agrees with me and half the world doesn't. Well,
1: do you look at it more like leadership where I think they're, where you say, look, you can always get better and hone on a skill, but you have to have some natural element of it. Is that sort of how you look at it?
0: I don't. (laughs) In other words, I, with, with the thousands of entrepreneurs, you know, again, hundred thousand. It's hard coding. You're saying you're going, it's hard coding, hard wired, and you've been exhibiting these things your whole life.
1: So I'll challenge you on one. I, and and actually think it would, it caused my, we'll call maybe dad's delayed entrepreneurial syndrome or DES. Um, I think I had all of those things, except I was very risk intolerant and actually did not make my entrepreneurial leap until I changed my mindset that I, from being willing to follow my convictions and that the riskiest thing I could do was stay in a job and put my career with someone who was not in my my best interest potentially. But I, that, I actually, I felt like really delayed my entrepreneurial journey was I had to, the risk one in particular, I had to overcome.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And so that's, so a couple of thoughts for you on that. You know, first of all, let me give you some additional words. Okay. So when I say risk taker, that means that you don't freeze when it's time to make a tough decision. You are rebellious in nature. You are willing to fail. You don't like to fail, but you're willing to. You tend to beg for forgiveness instead of ask for permission. That I'm very good at. You bet. Oh, I know. I know you're every one of these words. You're able to make tough decisions. So here's what I would suggest to you. That's point one. Point two is risk taker is not about starting a business. That's the misconception. Everybody thinks Risk taker, you start the business, you're a risk taker. Not at all. Risk taking comes in when you start the business and you have to make 1,000 brutally difficult decisions over the next 10 years that will potentially put you out of business and you're capable of making that decision most of.
1: So, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago who's trying to make this decision whether they wanted to be an entrepreneur or not. I think they've had this inkling that they want to do their own thing. But I don't think they know what they want to do, but it's sort of like eating at them. and i I'm curious, i I bucketed it into three there's three groups. I only went over two. I think they are and how you would look at the differences. I think they're they're entrepreneurs. They're intrapreneurs and they're wantrepreneurs. (laughs) So here's my definition. And then uh, entrepreneur is really what you just said. The intrapreneur is actually the person that like a company needs who who will jump into the new thing they they want and maybe this this goes in our discussion on risk you could like they want that lifeboat there they they well they love the new thing they like doing it within the safety of the mothership and I actually think they can be pretty good for companies versus entrepreneurs start causing a lot of problems and they're disruptive because they kind of want to leave and then the entrepreneurs are just the, you know, they always talk about it. They, they It sounds like an intellectual exercise, but they're just never willing to actually do it. And, and they will not do something without a full visibility of how it might play out, which is just the absolute opposite of how anything will play out. So I, I'm curious if those descriptions align to stuff that you've seen.
0: Oh, I love it. So it's, my mind is going in six <laughs> different directions. And so I'm going to hone this in, and definitely answer your question.
1: You, you can, I, you know, my questions all over the place. You can answer all over the place. Oh, like, I, I, you you don't need to focus here. So
0: I, I, I fully intend to, but I'm just trying to t- pick the order. And it's only going to be, yeah. gonna be like three things that I'm going to share. But w- the first place my mind goes to, it's so interesting because, you know, we started about, we started talking about focus. Okay. And I consider myself to be a pretty focused person. And so as I shared with the EOS target market, This target market is very focused as well, and this is for anyone that's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and taking them all the way to the day they generate their first dollar and and start their business. So first and foremost, I'm focused on that, and that is an entrepreneur, okay? As for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, unfortunately, I can't help you, but I'm going to (laughs) to both of them, just so you know, and just a 2nd You've seen these creatures before. Oh, I know you're not, you, oh you, you might not have dissected them, but you've seen them. So. Exactly right. So so that's point one. Point two is a really important point. And so there's a something I illustrate in the book, Entrepreneurial Leap, that I call the entrepreneurial range because I don't want anyone out there to feel defeated with what I'm about to say, because this is going to help put it all in perspective. And the entrepreneurial range works like this. If you picture this arc, And on the left side of the arc, you write self-employed. And on the right side of that arc, you write true entrepreneur. Anyone that owns their own business is somewhere on that entrepreneurial range. What I'm speaking to when I say true entrepreneur in these six essential traits and the people that possess them, I'm talking about the people on the right half of the range, And the true entrepreneurs that redline that range, these are the Elon Musk's, Henry Ford's, Walt Disney's, Oprah Winfrey's, Sarah Blakely's. And then on the far left is your one person shows, your your person with the side hustle, your consultant, your freelancer, you know, a self-employed person, you know, the the handyman or handywoman that's, you know, just doing that work. Those are self-employed people, but they're on the left side of the range. So if you don't have all six essential traits, And there's a great free assessment you can take on the website e-leap.com and just figure it out. And if you don't have them, I'm just urging you to be honest with yourself because you are going to be miserable for 10 years if you don't have these traits and you go try and build a 10, 20, 50 person organization. And then the last point, so that all was in the context of entrepreneur entrepreneurs, you know, I get people that reach out with this new book and they say, you know, can you teach my entrepreneurs? And I say, I can't help you. This is that focus piece. Will this book help? Probably. But what I consider an entrepreneur to be is a great freaking employee. That's it. In other words, so, you know, it's a faddish term, you know, it's been around for five or 10 years now. Um, It is what it is. It's okay. Lots of faddish terms. If we look at the last 200 years, so, an entrepreneur is just a great freaking employee. And if they're that good, by all means, that employer needs to pray to all that is holy that they will never leave, leave them because the day that entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, they are out the door. Um, and so, I, I say to them, you don't want me teaching your entrepreneurs because they, some of them will become entrepreneurs and you're going to lose them.
1: I guess the, the difference for me, maybe you don't see it this way, is that I think there's some people who are just really good at their job. But I've always, always seen, and we have a couple of these people in the organization who they gravitate towards the new thing. You throw them on the new product. They're very multidisciplinary. Like They, they seem to like to be entrepreneurial within the safety blanket of, of the larger organization. They are great employees, but I don't know. I, I see them a little more as like wild cards than someone who just has really dominated a, a specific thing well.
0: Yeah. But again, what's the definition of a great employee? Somebody that's adding value. So I think we're saying the same thing. I would just, and again, I don't want to stand by this statement, but I would say an intrapreneur is someone who has five of the six traits. They're just missing risk taker. But again, I don't want to stand by that. And then the last point, wantrepreneur, you know, that's the one that concerns me because a wantrepreneur Sometimes is that self-employed person on the far left side of the entrepreneur range and amen and hallelujah, but some should just not take this entrepreneurial leap. And I just beg them to be honest with themselves, take the assessment and go get a real job. There's no shame in that. Being an entrepreneur is not like the ultimate pinnacle in life, it's not the ultimate destination. Only 4% of the world are cut out for it. And it's freaking hell, it's hard. 10 out of 11 days are brutal, you know, so it's not for everyone and it's not all it's cracked up to be. Although us crazy people with these six essential traits, we would do nothing else other than this. This is what we love.
1: There's two stories that come into mind as you say that. One is, how this phrase I like to say where I think entrepreneurialism is sexy in the rearview mirror, meaning that, you know, we hear about the LeBron James and the Michael Jordans and the Facebooks and the Amazons. Like we don't you don't tend to hear about the carnage. And so you 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 hear the end of the story. Oh, Gino sold this company or whatever. You have no idea the price, cost, anguish, you know, that went then it went into it before. I, I remember a story that aligns to this, where uh, it was actually a form made. Um I had I just sold the business and we were actually having uh, a meeting in uh, with, with all our spouses. And the spouse was sort of saying, you know, we just signed all these documents and the whole thing. And the last time I was in that office, we were talking with a lawyer about bankruptcy and, you know, how, how we were not going to lose everything. And so you could see in that case where someone would be, oh, look at this, you know, look at this person, you know, she sold her business and it's all great. And, but, but it, there's so much more <laughs> to the backstory.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, it makes me think of, you know, you're using examples. So, you know, think of the greatest rock stars of all time or musicians, the greatest athletes, like you're saying some names and Tiger Woods and yeah. and anyone at the height of their profession, when people look and go, Hey, that'd be kind of cool to do. I mean, yeah. please, it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. Yeah, that would be cool to do. But those people, suffered for decades to get to where they are that includes entrepreneurs and so if you're willing to suffer for decades hell yeah come join us you'll be a great entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and, and so the other thing someone asked me recently do you wish your kids were entrepreneurs or something like that and i said I'm not sure you could wish it on someone. It's kind of I said it's kind of a disease. You have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. I actually think that there are certain qualities that I teach them entrepreneurial quality on how do you think about solutions and problem solving and creativity that I would love for them to have as just core skills and whatever they do in life. But I, I, I sort of answer the same way. I feel like there's some traits that there's some core skill sets that I like, but I don't think you can wish that on someone. I do think they they have to have it, have the bug or not have the bug. Yeah,
0: and as we said, in my opinion, they have to be born with those traits or not. And truth be told, neither one of my kids, I don't think they have all six essential traits, um, but let's pretend they did and they were destined to be an entrepreneur. I would literally feel pain in my heart and soul knowing what they're about to go through. At the same time, I'd be excited for them. So, but I think about, you know, any profession they're cut out to be or whatever their genetic encoding is, you know, I just hope everyone becomes what they're put on this planet to do. And 4% of those are entrepreneurs. And, and I would feel that tinge of pain, knowing the pain for my kids, if this was their destiny.
1: So as I think about your book, I almost think like there are all these people going to be reading it around the ecosystem of these potential entrepreneurs. And then it's almost like self-help for these people from different angles. But the one that would be interesting is what would you recommend to a boss who has someone on their team who seems restless and falls like
0: dead square in these six traits? If I were their boss, all I can do is speak for myself. If I'm their boss and I see somebody exhibiting the six essential traits and assuming this book exists, I'm going to hand them that book and I am going to pray to all that is holy that they leave me and go become what they're supposed to become. It's, it's unfair to them. It's unfair to me to keep them around and try and zap them for all that I can and not show them the truth. I, anybody that's ever worked for me, my only wish for them is that they spend all of their time in their personal sweet spot.
1: But there's still some bosses who feel like they don't like anyone to leave them. But I always say, if someone left our organization went to start their own business, it's it's like, awesome, how can I help you? I mean, I, I don't feel betrayed by that, but it might be an area to address. I think there is this sort of lost version that some people have. But this is the classic, like, it's not about me, it's about
0: you. Right, but you're asking someone to change their philosophy. So I just shared my yeah. philosophy, and I'm happy to say, you know, uh, less than half of the world has that philosophy, but the other half is trying to hang on to that person, that's their philosophy. That's their choice. They're not going to let that person go uh, if they can help it. I, you know, so I can't help that person. I'm not going to team somebody's philosophy. I'm going to share my philosophy, create context, and hope to invite them into that. But if that's what they believe, then that's what they believe at the end of the day.
1: You know, you're way too diplomatic because <laughs> <laughs> what what you should be saying, and I think... If you really wanted to help, you'd say, "Look, you can make that decision, but it's not gonna. End. You're gonna get blindsided one day, so you, you're gonna. It's not gonna end well. The stripes are not gonna change, right? So I, I kind of feel like they can they can manage that on their own terms, or they're gonna aren't
0: they? Just eventually, it's not gonna end well. Well, you'd be the first person to ever accuse me of being a diplomat, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, so in what I shared, I thought that was pretty in your face, that person. <laughs> so I always start with that context, and then the words follow. So I agree one hundred percent with all of your words about the next part of that conversation. Once I realize they don't have that same philosophy,
1: yeah. To me, that's a fun conversation to have with people. You seem like someone who really wants to do their own thing. There, there's a. I think there. It's an EOS. You probably know who he was. I won't say it. But there's an EOS CEO. I know who runs a great company and his personal mission in life is to have 20 CEOs come from his company. And I think that's like an awesome thing, right? And that tells you that he, he's not trying to just, you know,
0: keep you there forever. He wants these people to grow and and go on to do their own things. Yeah, there's a great quote by Warren Bennis that says, you're not truly a leader until you create a leader who has created a leader. And so that to me is the the ultimate destination for all of us people that have the opportunity to be in a spot of leadership but I want to go back to this point because I hope uh, this will hopefully make it clearer. So I, if this makes sense, this point I'm making about context and philosophy. And so, so if I'm sitting with one of my clients and I can tell my clients trying to hang on to somebody who should fly, I'm going to say to them what I said. And so I would say, if it were me, here's my philosophy. And what I would do, I, I say, all of my people I want them. My only wish for them is that they live their personal sweet spot. I I know psychologically that client is going to feel a tinge of guilt and I don't need to say much more because they're (laughs) going to realize what I'm doing is not fair to this person and nothing else needs to be said 85% of the time. 15% of the time, I may have to say a few more words, but some people you're never going to change and they're going to try and hang on tight. And yes, something bad's going to eventually happen.
1: Yeah. And and let's be clear, that something bad for a lot of people might be a direct competitor, right? The more, the more they <laughs> the more antagonize them. So someone reads your book, they decide to take the leap. Where are they most likely to break their leg falling off the first step?
0: Yeah, that's great. So again, let me go back to the context always, just so your listeners are kind of tracking with us. So confirm was the first part of the book. Second part of the book is glimpse. Third part is path. And so let's pretend now we've confirmed that this person absolutely has the six essential traits. They've taken the assessment. They've scored 90 or higher. Now I take them to glimpse to show them a glimpse of the life, all of the options that are available to them, all the types of businesses they can start. I show them countless real world stories. And then I show them a day in the life, both heaven and hell. I show them the dream scenario and I show them the nightmare. And what I share is the truth that most entrepreneurs are living the nightmare and some are living the dream. And fortunately with EOS, we help our clients live the dream. Well, there are eight critical mistakes that the entrepreneurs that are living the nightmare made when they started their business, and these are all avoidable. And so when you ask the question you're asking, I think that takes us right to this exact point because I'm trying to help that person that now realizes they're an entrepreneur in the making to avoid all eight mistakes. So what I can do is give you a high-level pass on the eight. Then you tell me the one that you want to drill down on. Uh, that. I
1: don't want to, you yeah, know, I want people to buy the book. So yeah, you can use oh, the highlight. Not your,
0: that, I'll <laughs> sit here
1: and teach all
0: eight, but it'll be a three-hour podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll, have you, we'll have you back
1: for that. So yeah, give me the high level and then I'll tell you the one. The, yeah, that, uh, pick the one you love the best. So
0: uh, yeah. here are the eight critical mistakes almost every entrepreneur makes when taking their entrepreneurial leap. Number one, not having a vision. Number two, hiring the wrong people. Number three, not spending time with your people. Number four, not knowing who your customer is. Number five, not charging enough. Number six, not staying true to your core. We've already talked about that one. Number seven, not knowing your numbers. And number eight, not crystallizing roles and responsibilities.
1: It's like choosing my children.
0: I'm I'm going
1: to go back to the beginning because this gets to a question of the discussion. So if you have all of these traits and you just so much that you are disruptive to wherever you are some people have this have a vision right they have a vision and they have a patent they just know the problem they want to solve others just know they want to work for themselves i'm curious how how do those apply in that first part like is it enough to have a vision of like your entrepreneurial freedom and business or do you actually have to know what is the hell you want to do
0: you, you have to have a pretty damn good idea. So, you know, as with every critical mistake, I obviously provide the solutions so they don't make, <laughs> okay? So there's a free tool. Everything I offer is on the website and free in the way of these tools. It's called My Vision Clarifier. And it's eight, there's eight sections to this document. And so it's you clearly knowing your passion, It's you clearly knowing your offering to the world. It's you clearly knowing your customer. It's you knowing your pricing model. It's you knowing the 10-year overriding goal. And then from there, it's your three-year, one-year, and the next 90 days. And so in all of the entrepreneurs I've interviewed, 95% did not have a plan when they started their business. So that's okay. I'm not telling you to have a plan. To have a detailed 20-page plan when you start your business is a gross waste of time.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even see those anymore. It's interesting. The business exactly.
0: plan, I think it's dying. Yeah. Unless you're trying to raise funding, you need them.
1: Yeah, but then, but then you have a 10-page PowerPoint slide. I, you oh, know, exactly. I, yeah.
0: But, but again, that's only if you're trying to raise money. And by the way, 87% of entrepreneurs don't raise money. It's not necessary. 50-page business plans are just creative writing assignments. Exactly. But I do believe you have to have a vision. And to the degree you can fill in those eight sections on this document, you then have a vision because you owe that to yourself and any of your people that you eventually bring into the business. So you've got to have that relative idea. And it's powerful taking somebody through that because they are answering questions that they never would have thought of. And it's really starting to shape their thinking. And so the point is, they're just not making some really important fundamental decisions about the business they're going to start, and so I just call that the vision. And again, it's called my vision clarifier. All right,
1: great tool. Uh, well, Gino, this has been super helpful. Uh, love diving into this stuff. We could do it for hours. Maybe we'll we'll have to get you back. Although you only write a book a decade, so uh, you know we'll have to we'll have to talk more about this. So the last question: What's a personal or professional mistake you've made? Uh, it could be singular or recurring that you learned the most from.
0: Uh, And first of all, I don't write a book a decade. I set decade-long goals. Okay, got it. Right. Many books in a decade. So what's the biggest mistake I've made in business? Um, I was a millionaire by the time I was 31 and lost everything by 33, making really stupid investments. So I really thought I was going to 10x and I ended up $200,000 in debt within two years.
1: And was that just getting out of your focus or what you actually knew?
0: I swung for the fence on everything. I started a new business. I invested in other businesses. Uh, the dot-com crash happened. It was the perfect storm, but it, they were all dumb, mis- dumb decisions on my part.
1: All right, so I know you mentioned a uh, website. Where, where can people find uh, all your various work, quizzes, books, information? Uh, where would they go look if they wanna learn more?
0: You bet. So the epicenter of all things Entrepreneurial Leap is e-leap.com. You'll find nine free tools there. And again, if you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in the making, great tools to help you accomplish what you're accomplishing. Uh, But what's also important is if you're somebody that wants to help entrepreneurs or currently is entrepreneurs in the making, become a collaborator, click on the collaborator button. And so the whole model is me joining forces with people that want to teach this content I give you the content for free. You get to do with it what you will. No money changes hands, no contracts. This is a passion project. And I just wanna help you become more of a hero to the people that you're mentoring, coaching, and, and teaching in your life. So e-leap.com.
1: All right, I love it, Gino. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for creating something to helps so many businesses. And uh, I have a few people I'm, I'm gonna send this quiz to right after I get off this call.
0: Awesome, what a pleasure, Bob.
1: To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Gino and his work on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. If you enjoyed today's episode with Gino or if you enjoy the Elevate podcast in general, I'd love if you could leave a review as it helps new users discover the show. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can do this in about 30 seconds. You click on the library icon, click on Elevate and scroll down to the bottom to leave a rating or review. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating.